Your Honors, we're acutely aware that the amount of time granted here is one of the shortest uh, today, and I'm hoping that does not mean that your conclusion is already reached. We have a legal argument that burns with a fire that really needs to be addressed here. As the VA and the government continually tighten down the extent of the FTCA, they, as in this case, seek to eliminate liability under it. The fact is, in this case, Ms. Doe was sexually assaulted by a VA employee performing a medical procedure with her where she was required to be there for her treatment in a federal facility, in the VA facility, during the time of her care. The VA claims that, therefore, and the, the district court has ruled that, well, there's nothing in his job description that says that a sexual assault is part of his job description. This is absurd. Is that exactly what the district courts uh, ruled? And, you know, agree or disagree, but I understood the district court to saying that the massage that was part of the sexual assault was not part of his description, that he didn't have the um, authority to do that kind of treatment, but didn't didn't ex actually define it as, as you have expressed. Uh, the district court also said that he was off base when he started the massage that led to the sexual assault. That is correct. But it, it, as I read the district court's uh, holding, and as we've argued on both sides here, it is that definition that this provider, this primary care provider provided by the VA in strain from what the VA now post hoc argues was his restricted uh, uh, course of uh, allowed duties, uh, yes, was not within his duties. He was just completely off base. The problem with that is, and I understand that when the judge, when a district judge makes this decision, we stray from de novo review of the law to a abuse of discretion. And the argument here is there's absolutely zero evidence that this individual was the Mr. Luchtefeld is publicly uh, pled guilty uh, and uh, convicted. Counsel, uh, in order for you to prevail, wouldn't we have to conclude that uh, the scope of employment inquiry itself was improper? It was. Yes, in this case, I, I absolutely believe that. The scope of employment inquiry was improper here under, if, you're, if the FTCA, which it does, incorporates the Missouri law then the scope of inquiry here was improper. There are numerous cases where uh, an employee is found, or the employer is found to be liable for an employee even though the specific assault or intentional tort, harmful intentional tort was not within the person's job description because the employee was in the sco scope and course of their defined duties otherwise. There just can be no dispute that this gentleman was her primary care provider. There's actually no dispute about that. So is, is there a foreseeability test of sorts that's used to determine whether someone who's within their given range of authority uh, mm. does something? Is it, does it need to be something that an employer could 
anticipate uh, or foresee? Indeed, Your Honor. There is, and the Missouri Supreme Court and multiple appellate courts have defined that. Well, why, why, why would the VA anticipate That's that the individual in this case would go from acupuncture on the ear to uh, a, a full-on sexual assault? I must emphasize before I answer that with the Supreme Court's, Missouri Supreme Court's own words, that we do disagree strongly that this gentleman was ever confined to acupuncture on an ear. He was assigned to treat her for her hip, hip pain. The pain that, that the course that the VA believed he was going to be doing was BFA, battlefield acupuncture. Counsel, under Missouri law, don't we have to look to see whether, well, basically the employee's motivation. And if the employee's motivation was uh, solely for their own personal desires, that's, they're outside the scope of their employment. No, Your Honor, that's what the district court did, and that's the error. Under Missouri law, this, the court has specifically said you don't weigh those two differences. As long as they're in the course and scope, there's a dual, I, I, I don't want to use dual purpose in, improperly here because it's under a different real uh, But here, don't we, how would, how would the, what happened be at all within the uh, uh, desires of the employer? He was providing medical care, which was his duty to this patient. Otherwise, and this is the VA's position, and we should make no mistake about it, the VA says that we are never responsible for this, even though we bring in the, we have the largest medical institution in the entire country, perhaps in the world, but definitely in the country. We have no responsibility if our employees do something we said they shouldn't. But don't you have to cabin the medical provision in the range of what the person was qualified to do. For instance, if you, uh, you have a, uh, you're being treated for heart issues and you have a, uh, a particular heart surgeon treating you, uh, that doesn't mean the, that individual is capable of doing some other specific test that might also be treating you for a heart condition. Absolutely, Your Honor. Uh, that is not the similar case. to what's here. He, he's, he's to treat the back, but he has a specific range of his qualification for doing so. That, that, is, that is true, but it is not this case. Uh, Mr. Lechtefeld, as a nurse practitioner, and it's defined, and even in, it was even provided, and we argued this, in defendant's own memoranda, here, and the, uh, the, definition, the definitions attached to their affidavits, his, his duties were full. He had almost like physician-like duties. There's a lot of dispute over why that is so in the VA, but I assume, and sorry, it's just my assumption. Could he have prescribed pain medication for the back? He doesn't prescribe medication. Yeah, well, he can actually, certain medications. But yes, he, he can he is a full primary care for provider. That, so, so, does this, does, so does, is, is your argument kind of turn on whether we look at um, the nurse practitioner in this case's broad authority as a nurse practitioner and primary care provider and what he was authorized to do at this particular appointment? In other words, if, if you look just at this appointment and what he was authorized to do there, does your argument still hold true? Judge, he had no restrictions on his authorization. He was expected to be providing acupuncture well, treatment. But well, his, he was authorized, well, if I may make a clear, he was authorized, authorized but to I, treat I, As to this particular appointment, it was specially, as I understood the record, it was specially um, scheduled 
that was the only thing that she was there for was this BFA, and that was it. And they actually had to schedule it specially because he was the only BFA provider there. If you focus on that appointment, again, does your, does your position still hold true? Your Honor, if you focus that way, uh, you could eliminate any, any deviation from the care. I, I beg the court, uh, I, I truly beg the court to look at the record. Other than the arguments of counsel and some vague references, and vague references in the affidavits written and approved then by VA employees by counsel, there is absolutely nothing in the record saying that this individual was restricted to BFA treatment. And he wasn't. He was, in fact, we have from other witnesses that he was their primary care provider as well. But that uh, did not, the primary care did not include massage, correct? Well, I don't know that that's necessarily defined, but there is an well, argument I understood, that... I, well, Lula, tell me if I'm wrong. I understood the government saying that you could only... Um, you only had authority to provide a massage to a client if you had, I think it's chiropractic um, privileges? There was, there was at least one witness who said that without any background or statement or any support in documentation. The documentation that same witness provided showed differently. But if we assume that that's true, yes, if he was only allowed to do massage, then the massage would have also been an assault improper in this case. But our client... Uh, Ms. Doe had no idea of that. She was there for treatment for the pain in her hip, and he offered her, and she accepted, would you like some, I can treat that pain in your hip since this, this acupuncture is not working. Mr. Damick, you're in your rebuttal. You can continue if you like. Or Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court, Roger Keller for the United States of America. The District Court Judge Fleissig found that William Luchtefeld was outside the scope of his employment in November 2019 for two reasons. First, as a matter of Missouri law, Judge Fleissig found that sexual assault or sexual misconduct is per se outside the scope of employment. She relied on the Missouri Supreme Court in coming to that conclusion. Second of all, Judge Fleissig also found that the acts engaged in in this case, the massage of which um, Mr. Luchtefeld engaged in, were also outside his scope of employment because, as you pointed out, Judge Kelly, he was not authorized as part of his um, skills, as part of his skill set with the VA to perform massages. What if, what, if, what if he did have those privileges? What if, what if this nurse practitioner had chiropractic, I think it's chiropractic, Privileges that would yes, permit judge. a massage. Would this would this sexual assault then, in the government's view, be within the scope of the employment? No, judge. First of all, the uh, court found that day he was only to perform, as you know, as a matter of fact, she found only to perform BFA. But even assuming hypothetically that he had that, this assault would not have fallen in the scope of employment because under Missouri law, you have to show that there is a benefit. To the, to the employer in this. In other words, as she pointed out, again, as a matter of fact, that there was no benefit to the government because a massage was not necessary to treat the hip pain. Furthermore, Judge Fleissig also found, as a matter of fact, 
that the issue here is not the massage per se, the touching of itself. It's touching the genitalia and the breasts. And Judge Fleissig found, as a matter of fact, that there's no evidence that touching the genitalia and the breast was necessary to treat the hip pain. In other words, so is there? So is there another? Is there a situation where you can envision a sexual assault being within the scope of a VA nurse practitioner or any medical provider's um, scope of employment? That judge would be the Leniger matter, assuming they applied Kansas law, if you will. But putting that aside for a second, the nurse practitioner Leniger had a purpose for conducting and touching the genitals of those male patients. So then it's just a matter of degree, sort of he went too far and, and, and sexually assaulted be, because he had the authority and it was within the medical examination to, to touch that area? No, Judge. The difference is he, in performing the examination, Leniger, there was a legitimate reason for touching the, te the, the genitalia, looking for testicular cancer, things like that. So there was a benefit applying Missouri law to a Kansas situation. There was a benefit, you might say, to the employer uh, to treat potential pa patients who had potential uh, uh, testicular cancer. Whereas in this case, even assuming he had uh, uh, massage privileges and even assuming he was using those for the purpose of treating hip pain, Judge Fleissig found, as a matter of fact, that there was no reason for him to touch the by Ms. Doe's plaintiff. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I understand that factual finding, and maybe I'm maybe I'm walking a line that, that doesn't matter, but even if there is a authority and reason to touch the private area, the sexual, the, 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 the employer never benefits from the next step, which is the sexual assault. So that's where, that sort of divergence is what I'd like to hear from you. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why that difference matters, that the original touching is within the scope of the examination, and that's understandable, man or woman, but never is the sexual assault that follows to the benefit of the employer. So how does that fall within the scope of the employment? You're right, Judge. The sexual assault is never to the benefit of the employer. What falls into the employment is, as Judge Fleissig found in Leniger, uh, noting Leniger, the mixed motive that there was some benefit in Leniger to the employer because while he's committing the sexual assault, there was a legitimate reason to be touching the testicles uh, to look for something like testicular cancer. We're here even assuming plaintiff's argument, as Judge Fleissig did, that the massage was for some, the touching was to, for some reason, a legitimate reason, such as treating the hip pain. There was no reason in treating that hip pain and doing something you were off, theoretically authorized to do, there was no reason ever to touch the breasts or the genitalia because that had nothing to do with treating the hip pain. That had only to do with Mr. Luchtefeld's desires. And as the district court found, that's evident from what happens afterwards, where uh, Ms. Doe gets up and tries to report it, and Mr. Luchtefeld runs out and tries to stop her from reporting it. So they both knew there was no benefit to the VA of what he was trying to do. Moreover, as the record shows, the benefit uh, to, uh, there was no benefit to the VA because Mr. Luchtefeld's actions both during and after the assault uh, were only for him. The heavy breathing, as Ms. Doe noted in the record, 
and Mr. Luchtefeld's uh, side of an erection afterwards. The VA policies specifically talk about when you touch patients, there's not supposed to be touching for any sexual purpose, and plaintiff has never identified uh, a situation other than sexual purpose for which Mr. Luchtefeld touched her, below her ears in this case, which is where battlefield evidence takes place. Um, as to the argument, uh, plaintiff's uh, counsel has also indicated in his brief the absence of a scope of employment under the VA Immunity Act. I would have the court look at three things with the scope of employment under the VA Immunity Act. First, under 70, uh, 38 U.S.C. 7316, the purpose of that statute, as the court found in Franklin, was to extend the FTCA protection for uh, negligent torts, which has a scope of employment, to intentional torts. So that, uh, because various medical malpractice cases in various state laws were couched as intentional torts, not negligent torts, and absent the waiver, um, those doctors and uh, physici uh, physicians and nurse practitioners would be on the hook themselves. And as the case Judge Fleissig cites out of the Seventh Circuit, uh, Martin, which discusses the similar statute under the state of Wisconsin, the purpose of these statutes is it allow the individuals, the VA employees, to practice their profession without having to worry about paying out of pocket. Additionally, I direct the court's attention to both Section A and Section E of 7316. Section A talks about the purpose of the statute is to extend FTCA uh, um, application or protection for negligent torts to the VA employee. And as the court is aware, the FTCA in and of itself has the scope of employment requirement. And then Section C of 7316 also only allows the Attorney General to certify and accept the defense of an individual so long as that individual is, is working and the act was performed within the individual's scope of employment. So 7316 as a whole is clear about that. Plaintiff's counsel also cites in their brief the Gonzales Act, which is the military equivalent to the VA. The Supreme Court in the Levin case, uh, Justice Skinberg clearly set out that that also requires a scope of employment requirement. If there are no other questions for the court, I would be finished. I ask this court to affirm Judge Fleissig's decision dismissing this case for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honors. Mr. Danek, we'll fill out your minute and allow you to respond. Much appreciated. The panel, um, I'll be brief. I just have a couple of points that I need to say. Uh, the government's argument, I'll just briefly say, nullifies completely uh, 38 section, uh, USC section 7316. There are no cases, defense counsel has been unable to cite any, and nobody can, where uh, an intentional tort is actually part of a job description, any job description. Missouri law, the second point is Missouri law does not require that. The Dougherty case is not even addressed by the lower court or by defense counsel, where a bartender drops a, a toothpick solely for her own amusement because he thought it would be cute uh, in a patron's beer, uh, causing, of course, the expected severe injury. Uh, the employer is held liable because the 
closed because the employee was in the course and scope of serving beer, which was her job. Brown, an Eighth Circuit case applying uh, Missouri law, found that a night janitor who beat up a person going to get his car was the employer was responsible for that because the night janitor was expected to be in the course and scope of his work encountering uh, patrons and dealing with them on that basis. And in that regard, in terms of Missouri law, rather than summarize the rest, I will conclude with the Missouri Supreme Court's language quoted in a number of cases, including those in the Eighth Circuit. The fact that an employee uses physical force not expressly authorized by his employer does not per se exonerate the employer. Whether or not an employee's use of force is within the scope of his employment is dependent upon many factors of primary importance. I'd like to stress this. Of primary importance are the nature of the principal's business, whether or not the employment will bring the employee into contact with the public, and the likelihood that the employment will involve the use of force and whether or not the employee acts from, from a purely personal motive. This is a VA, a veteran, doesn't have any choice about choosing her provider or where it, is, it occurs. It must be on the VA's terms, and the VA must show some sign of responsibility. And the only other point that I would like to make, Your Honor, is that this, the argument is truly, there, there is no Westfall Act under state law. That is, this individual could be sued if this was a state action case. He can't be, because the government takes on that responsibility. And here they say, and we have it, so responsibility for rape vanishes with this argument. Your Honor, it shouldn't. It can't. There has to be a point where the buck stops. There's a lot more to be said, but I have run out of my time. Pardon me. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Damick. Thank you also, Mr. Keller. The Court appreciates the argument both counsel have provided to the Court. Uh, we will take the case under advisement.